Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. When we look around at the icons that we have on our walls, we see a lot of different faces and in a lot of different positions, wearing a lot of different clothing. And one thing unites them, and that's that they all are haloed. The halo is uh, a very, very early artistic device used to show light streaming, obviously. And in the Christian context, within Christian iconography, it means it's the light of Christ that is beaming out of someone. Uh, in much later, uh, unfortunate Western artistic developments, the halos became little little discs floating above heads, but that's not really, that's, it has nothing to do with like the original purpose of the halo, which is a shining orb just glowing out of the face of the saints. And someone might say that that is uh, something that makes everyone, all of the saints the same, but really... The point is that all of the saints are shining with the same light, illuminating their own faces. So when we look at a saint, we are looking at the light of Christ shining through them, but we're also looking at their face. And that's something that I think um, we, C.S. Lewis in his uh, book, Mere Christianity, I believe that's where it is, said that uh, there are no real personalities apart from God. Until you have given yourself to him, you will not have a real self. Sameness is to be found among the most natural men, not among those who surrender to Christ. And he said, how monotonously alike all the great tyrants and conquerors have been. How gloriously different are the saints. And it's true. If you look back through history... And you look at the story of any great conqueror or tyrant, Julius Caesar, um, Mao in this you know, past century, Hitler, you see the same thing at work. It's one ego just lost in its own egotistical self-centeredness. And it results in massive pain and suffering for everyone around them. And I think this principle is something that um, the, the Christian commentator, theologian Origen, back in the third century, maybe fourth, um, also recognized in commenting on our gospel passage today. He said that in the story, when the king came in at the end, this is after the king has brought all kinds of sundry people from their different positions in life, their different circumstances, they're all brought into the same feast. And so you have all this difference, but now in the context of something similar, right? And all of that personality is preserved. But when the king comes in, he found there one who had not put off his old behavior, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And Origen says this, He speaks of one only because all who after faith continue to serve that wickedness which they had had before faith are but of one kind. I think that also applies to those who have never come to the faith but are still in their um, self-centered ways choosing to live for themselves. 
And so at this wedding feast, you have all kinds of sundry people and their different personalities, but you have one kind, one figure who sums up everyone who rejects God and lives in a way that is uh, centered on self. And I love this insight because it it demonstrates something true, something that we can confirm with our own uh, sort of eyes. We can look around and see this. We can look through history and see this. But I think it's also, in the inverse, a, a lesson that's beautiful for us. It teaches us that if we lose ourselves in God, if we give ourselves over to God, we receive true self. And this is a beautiful reassurance for us because one of the things that I think is most um, deeply uh, within us from the Garden of Eden itself and the taking of the fruit, which was the one thing forbidden, the breaking of the fast, which was the only rule that God had ever given humanity, the motive for that was to elevate self, to preserve self, and to give self something apart from God. And that fear that we don't have enough, that our self might not be preserved, that we need to go beyond God to put a little extra in just to make sure that self, ourselves, are going to be okay. That temptation is right at the very core of humanity, and it's at the very beginning of our story. And it's with every single one of us to this day. And so that temptation is one of the most um, real and ever-present things that we have to deal with as Christians who have been invited out of uh, places that made us unworthy into a place of glorious majesty and full abundance. And we're given everything that we could possibly hope for and more that we never imagined. And yet, and yet, even within that context, we are going to be tempted to be identified with that one figure, that same base old story of self wanting to preserve its own thing, to keep its own thing going on, not to be covered in a wedding garment so that we gain a new identity as a wedding guest, a very individualized, unique guest with our own seat, with our own um, place within the company, a member in the body of Christ, as it were, a member that is a part of a body, sure, but is unique in its membership. There's no other member like each one of us. But cut it off, separate that member from the body, and it becomes what? Just a lump of matter, just undifferentiated matter, just another bit of, of blah, blank, nothing. That's why the man who didn't put on a garment to become a self within the wedding feast gets thrown into outer darkness where light is no longer shining from him or on him or around him. And hands and feet are bound because he has lost his agency. He can no longer do anything. He's lost not only, um, well, he, he lost the one thing he was trying to hold on to the most, his selfhood. When he's thrown into the outer darkness and his agency is now gone and his 
clothing that he wanted to uh, keep is no longer, it can't be seen. And there's nothing left now but weeping and gnashing of teeth. That phrase gnashing of teeth implies a sort of madness. That's, it's not just like, I'm, I'm really sad, I'm going to gnash my teeth. It's that I'm not thinking clearly. My, my agency, my mind is clouded and fuzzy. And he loses the one thing that he wanted to keep, which was himself. And so the only place to have selfhood is within the wedding feast. By putting on a garment, which we think, well, how can I be individuated? How can I express myself if I'm putting on something else? Well, we have nowhere in the story that says that all of the wedding garments are the same. In fact, we have other places in Scripture that imply Joining the wedding feast of the Lamb, entering into the heavenly reality, means that we are going to be even more individuated, even more um, ourselves, truly ourselves, and unlike any one or anything else. There's a wonderful little throwaway um, line in the book of Revelation about those entering into heaven and being given a white stone by Jesus with a name written on it that only ourselves and God know. No one else knows the name because it's such a deep personal reality shared between the two of us, and everyone gets a different one. So selfhood can only be gotten in Christ when we give ourselves over to him. So this morning, when we come together, when we all stand at the same time and kneel at the same time and sing the same words and come and kneel, don't mistake that for losing identity or just following the crowd or being one of many. Understand that this is the process by which we come into the feast and gain that secret white stone, gain that um, uniquely individual and beautiful wedding garment. Because as we do this, as we give ourselves up, we gain our true selves. This theme repeated over and over through the scriptures. You cannot have life unless you give up your life. And so I think with all the beauty in this story, especially the mercy of God going and uh, pulling in everyone who hadn't initially been invited to the wedding, but uh, bringing them in anyway, we see the super abundant goodness and plenteousness that God has to offer but there is a warning at the end. And so let's keep that warning uh, in our hearts, especially as we prepare our hearts to come and receive a foretaste of that feast in Holy Communion today. We have to give ourselves up in order to put on the glory required for us to be in the presence of God and to gain our true identities. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and Reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.